When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have Taylor Elena. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that's fine. Alina, Alina, <laughs> Alina. Alina. Yeah. Alina. Rats. Okay. That's okay. Taylor Alina. And she is a shadow integration coach. And I'm super excited to have her on. So thank you for coming on. I'm so sorry I pronounced your last name wrong. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a middle name. It's fine. It's doesn't even matter. But thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to get into some conversations about speed bumps and things. Yes. So before we get into those speed bumps, can you tell me two of your favorite things about yourself or two things that you love about yourself? Yeah. Um, I guess one of the things that I love about myself is just, uh, well, okay, it's a blessing and a curse, but I really like my ADHD. Like, okay. Um, it's, taken me some time to like kind of come to that conclusion but I just love that my brain works differently than other people's like where most people need to be like consistently organized or they need to like have a set schedule like my brain is just a chaotic mess and it like operates beautifully in that that's awesome (laughs) I love that about myself and um I really what else um I just, my willingness to learn, I suppose, like, I feel like I'm always going to be a student. Um, and I think when you have like a mindset like that, it, it brings, uh, more opportunities to just like connect with people. Absolutely. Because if you think you know everything about everything, like nobody really likes to be around someone like that because <laughs> they're not all. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I guess those are probably my two favorite things about me. What are your two favorite things about you? Oh, man. So no one has actually asked me that question, and I've been (laughs) dreading the day that someone turns this on me. (laughs) Made it like 30 episodes, and no one's turned the tables yet, so you're the first. Yep, that's the coach in me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Shadow work on an episode. This is great. Um, Two things that I love about myself. I am willing to take the speed bumps that I've encountered Mm -hmm. and use them for good because it's really easy to get stuck in this pity me mindset. And I was there for a while, but I love that I've been able to turn this around, turn all of them around and use them to help people. I love that so much. I love that so much. And my number two, my number two is never thinking that I'm right. And just always being open to another side. I'm never convinced that I'm 100% right on anything 
or that I have all the information. It's just kind of years of like being a student, but I'll entertain almost any theory about anything because what I've come to realize is no one knows shit. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) if they tell you that they do and they say they're an expert, run. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like that a lot. One of the things that, um, like, I have that general mindset in, like, life, but sometimes it's hard for me, like, in my relationship because um, it's like you always want to be right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm currently working on in my own personal shadow work is uh, the need to be right. And a lot of times that need to be right comes from um, just needing approval, right? It's like maybe not feeling heard or listened to as a child in a just wanting somebody to like hear you, you yes. know? So I can notice that in myself when I'm starting to do that. I'm like, all right, let's, let's rein it back ego. Let's, let's pull it back a sec. Like you're, you're taking over a little too much. We need to take a breath. Yeah. And not that having an ego is bad, but you no. don't want the ego to get too big. Right. You need to check it every now yes. and again. Yes. I mean, the ego is what makes us human, right? That's, that's your personality. That's your sense of humor. That's all ego, right? Your spirit doesn't have that like dirty sense of humor. That's your, that's your ego, right? So the ego is a wonderful thing when it's in balance with the rest of you. Um, And that's one of the things that I take some of my clients through is we actually go through one of the first sessions we have together is like, we go in a journeying session to meet their ego, like the personified version of their ego, because the ego is oftentimes the first line of defense, um, guarding, you know, the all the other inner stuff. So that's always a fun session. (laughs) When I when I uh, take people through it. um, It's always interesting to see like how different people's egos personify like I've had um like one of my clients has uh his ego is a succubus I don't know if you know what a succubus is but uh, I do but for the listeners what is a succubus yeah so a succubus is basically um some people call it like a myth you can it depends what you believe in really but for the sake of you know the general public um it's kind of like a mythological being that she's predominantly female and she goes and sucks the soul out of uh like men and she usually seduces them through sex or whatever to kind of get it um so his ego was a succubus because he does a lot of like uh shinto japanese art like um magic so that's how his presents and then i had another one of my clients um hers presents as like this um almost like this kind of shadowy being, but almost like, you know, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Um, and then I've had some other people's egos, like, personify as, like, a big macho dude, or it's just it's just really funny to just see the different, like, characters that come out. Um, my ego is funny. He's, like, this um, giant, like, stone-looking person. Um, he's very, like, stoic and... Uh, it's almost like, you know those, like, um, in Polynesian culture, like, those tiki heads, like, carved yeah. out of, like, stone? Yeah. Like that. Like, that's okay. what my, my ego looks like. It's very funny. Um, I'm, so, it's always just funny to see, like, what other people's egos come out as. <laughs> now, okay, so a couple questions about that. Yeah. Do you do this, like, through hypnosis? And how do you see their ego, or is the ego described to you? So, um, yeah, so I usually take them, it's a combination between, um, shamanic journeying and hypnosis. Okay. Um, and 
so basically in my work, it's a blend of psychology um, mixed with spirituality and kind of like shamanism techniques. So it's like a blending of like the subconscious mind in the psyche with spirit. And so it's giving um, those pieces of your mind um, showing you like their own individual energy and their spirit and things like that. So you can work to integrating it into the whole of who you are. Um, and so we go through like a shamanic journey where we go, it's kind of like a meditative state. Um, mm -hmm. I take them through kind of like in hypnosis, but there's visuals. And so, um, usually sometimes I can see them and then some, most of the time, even if I can see them, I have them describe them to me just to kind of confirm what I'm seeing or just because it helps, um, like when they say it out loud, it helps them to kind of integrate it a little more. So we kind of just. I kind of just guide them through it. Like I never am like, oh, well, I see this and this and this. Gotcha. I always ask them questions because I don't want to plant anything in their mind in case yes. they're not seeing what I'm seeing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so I never want to like interfere in their experience. Later on, like after that part of the session's over, we'll go back over and be, and they're like, so what did you see? And then I'll tell them what I saw. And they're like, oh my God, that's so crazy. That's like exactly what I described. I'm like, yep, I know. So it's it's pretty cool. How did you get into all of this? Um, so I first started, um, it actually started with my ayahuasca uh, journey. Um, so back in November, actually it was probably two years ago, um, coming up soon. But November of 2020, I went and did an ayahuasca retreat. Um, and it just blew open some of my spiritual gifts. And so I kind of just intuitively was guided to the different like certifications I needed to get and the different things that I needed to study and the different mentors I needed to learn from. And so um, over the past like two years, it's just been a lot of studying and learning and practicing. Um, and so I've always had a really deep interest in the esoteric and the spiritual, but I also had a deep interest in the mind and the way the mind works because I, um, you know, I went to therapy as a kid and I've been to therapy a bunch and I always just felt like something was missing from that. Like it's very helpful, but I always felt that just talking about my problems didn't really help me solve them or get down to the bottom of it. And, you know, spirituality, um, was really big for me and that was helping me a lot. And so I'm like, well, what if I just paired like techniques from psychology and some of the techniques from spirituality and just blended them together and it's been super effective excuse me um so it's been kind of just a lot of taking pieces um from different things that i've learned and just melting them together to make my own techniques if that makes sense 100 percent makes sense i do something similar yeah so here's a question i have for you because there's mm -hmm. a couple different schools of thought on this Mm -hmm. Some people say you don't need certifications because there's people have gifts and you intuitively know what to do. Yeah. And then other people say, no, you absolutely need certifications because there's a right and wrong way to do things. And then there's everyone in between. Where do you stand? I'm kind of in between. I think um, intuition is good. Following your intuition and listening to your guides, like that helps me so much to be able to pinpoint like the root cause of like people's traumas or their wounds and things to like work towards it. But also having that background in, um, you know, like I have a certification in PTSD and complex trauma. And without that, um, 
it would be really difficult to navigate certain things because there's certain things that could make it worse and there's certain things that you know what I mean so you don't want to be fucking around in somebody's um, subconscious that's you know has a, a lot of trauma and you have nowhere you, you don't know any idea on how to navigate that you know because that can that's kind of a, a, a it's a gray area you know and so I think um I think it's a good idea to have the knowledge and ha and learn, you know, the the basics of, you know, what you're trying to get into and learn from other people because there are other people that are successful in those fields, but also you can use and apply your intuition to tweak it to make it fit for, you know, uh, each client because each, you know, the the way that they teach you certain things in books or in, you know, courses or classes isn't going to work for every single person because every right. single person is so unique and every single person has their own story and their own trauma. And even though it's similar to maybe like another client that you worked with, it's not exactly the same. So their approach isn't going to be exactly the same. And so I think that's where intuition comes into play hugely because you can use your intuition to be like, okay, well, this kind of feels like it's not going on the right track. Let me, um, you know, my guides are telling me let's do this instead. And then bam, it clicks, something clicks. Right. And so I think it's a blend between the two. Like you don't have to be certified in anything, but I think having the knowledge, um, really helps because, um, just going into something blind, uh, I don't know. It, 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 I feel like it can be, it can go one way or the other. No, I completely agree with everything you just said. And I feel like that goes back to the whole, no one person knows it all. Exactly. And so why are you afraid to learn from someone else? Not that I need that piece of paper that says I'm a whatever practitioner, right. but I also know that there's people who know things that I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I think also sometimes too, like, obviously you'll find like the right clients that are going to come, are going to want to work with you. And if they love your energy and they really connect with you on that level, they're not going to need that certification or that, you know, whatever, whatever. But sometimes it, it does give people reassurance. They're like, okay, this, this, this chick's not just a quack. Like she's not just blowing smoke up my ass because there are a lot of people online that, um, think they know what they're talking about. And then they end up doing more harm than good, you know, because they have a lot of ego involved and they don't check their own ego and they're not doing their own shadow work and their own healing work while they're trying to work on other people. And that's the biggest thing is if the healer or the, the guide or the coach or whatever you want to label them, if they're not doing their own inner work consistently alongside you, they're not the person because if they can't look at their shadows and their insecurities and their wounds with honesty and clarity, then how are they going to do that with yours? Like, because there's so many times where I, I work with a client and their um, wounds are very similar to the ones that I had, you know, and so that triggers stuff and obviously not in the session, but afterwards you're like, oh shit, there's a little piece of that in me that I still need to work on. And so my clients are often like the biggest mirrors for me, not, you know, verbatim, like, but there's a lot of scenarios that I'm like, okay, this is why I went through this because it's meant to help this person through this, you know? And so if you're not able to look at your own wounds and shadows with honesty, it's going to, you're going to have a really fucking shit time helping other people work through theirs, you know? Or you're not going to truly help them at all and you can make things worse. Yeah. Because yeah. It, I, I've heard this thing and to paraphrase, it was basically some of the best healers have gone through shit so they can relate. Exactly. And 
there are there certain people that I can relate to better because our experience is more are more similar? Yes. Yeah. But you know, like I've never been through addiction, so I can't personally relate to someone, but I can empathize with someone who has. Right. If that makes right. sense. Thousand percent. Whereas if someone, if your life is all butterflies and rainbows and it is, is truly butterflies and rainbows, mm-hmm. um, I, one, I think you're a unicorn. But two, <laughs> like, I, I feel like it would be really hard to relate to a lot of people because mm-hmm. people have speed bumps. Yeah. And that's the thing is like people want somebody, they want to work with somebody that's real and honest with them. Like I'm always transparent with my clients. Like if I'm going through a rough time and like, listen, dude, I'm right there with you. Like the energy's fucking wild and you know, I'm. I'm doing this work right alongside with you. And sometimes that makes them feel better because they're like, oh, like, even though you've been on this path for a while and you've been doing your own inner work for a while, like you still go through these speed bumps and you still have days where you want to fucking rip your hair out. But like, it's the difference of how you navigate through that versus like before I started this journey, like before I started this journey, some of the stuff that I go through now is like, I probably would have like, I don't know, went and drank, you know, a bunch of alcohol and fucking got fucked up and just done whatever to fucking numb the pain but now I'm like okay I have these tools and things to like actually sit with these emotions and feel them and allow them to pass through me so then they don't control my life right and so that's the difference between you know the inner work is not so you don't ever go through these speed bumps again because we come to earth school to learn these trials and tribulations because it expands us more than any other place in this universe. And that's why so many souls line up to come here because this place is so dualistic and polarizing. And that is what creates that stretch and that expansion so that we can grow and, and kind of evolve as souls. Right. And this place is like the fast track to that. Yeah, but there's no fast tracking working through your, as my husband calls it, his pit of shit. So all yeah. this stuff, you know, if if you go through stuff, even as a kid or, you know, there's been, if there's a really traumatic situation, you might not be able to deal with those emotions in that moment. But at right. some point, you're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to face them. And there's no right. easy way. There's no magic pill. There's no, uh, I'm all love and light. Like, it doesn't yeah. work that way. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I, that's actually the the approach that I took when I first um, started waking up was, you know, I got it really into like Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you know who that is, but she's, Mm -hmm. um, she's like this channeler and she channels this like collective consciousness and she's all about, um, you know, like her stuff's really good, but there's a lot of very love and lighty stuff about it. It's like, well, if you just think better thoughts, um, then, you know, you're going to manifest everything that you want. But I'm like, no, that's that's called spiritual bypassing. And that actually pushed, pushed me further into a depression because I was covering up all these like raw feelings that I had from my childhood. And it wasn't until I discovered shadow work that everything started making a lot more sense. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, I feel like that's, everyone goes through that stage though, at some point, I feel like, um, well, maybe not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people, um, that, go through a spiritual awakening, go through that phase of like, oh, well, I just got to think better thoughts because they learn about, usually people start with like the law of attraction and that's only one of 12 universal laws of how the universe and energy work. And so they take that one little sector and they're like, oh, well, this is how the whole entire universe works. So everything else, like if I have a bad thought or if I think badly about somebody else, like 
I'm going to attract all of that into my life. And while that's true to an extent, like you can still be angry and attract your dream job. You can still like be sad and like mourn your, you know, your dead uncle and still manifest like a bunch of money into your reality or, you know, your dream partner or whatever it is that you're trying to call into your life. It's like, you can do those things sad. <laughs> I yeah. hate to, I, I hate to break it to like all the 11 lighters, but you can do those things sad. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and I fell into that trap in the beginning in the sense of, I was like, well, if I even use a negative word, then mm -hmm. it's going to, you know, I, I can't say the word depression because then I'll be depressed. I can't yes. say the word not. I can only use positive affirmations. Um, and if I don't, I'm not going to get what I'm trying to manifest. And then I was driving myself crazy trying yeah. to change my whole linguistics as opposed to trying to change my thought patterns. Yeah. If that makes sense? Thousand percent. And I think there is some truth to that, like the way that the subconscious works. Like it doesn't really respond to like nots or negatives. So if you say like, you know, I do not want this, they're gonna be like, Oh, you want that? you know, but that's only true to a certain extent because we have like millions and millions and millions of thoughts every single day and it's really not the specific words that you use, but it's the words you use com combined with the energy and the intention yes. and the, um, what am I looking for? Like the emotion that's behind it. So, um, there's just a lot more, uh, moving parts to that versus just, than just like the lingo you use, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things in the spiritual community try to get basically dumbed down or mm -hmm. simplified yeah. and, but I feel like that plays to the society of we want the quick answers, we want the fast answers, we want the immediate gratification. And if you try and sit someone down and be like, okay, well, yes, there's a law of attraction, but there's also these 11 other universal laws, they're going to be like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. They're like, I, I just want the one that is going to bring me stuff quick. Yeah. Like, I, I just <laughs> want the one that gives me money or happiness or whatever. Like, I, we're only going to talk about that. And you're like, but wait, yeah. that's not how it works. But no, but that's how so-and-so said it works. So I'm just going to go with them. Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, what's funny is um, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in the spiritual community, and that's done intentionally. And I think that's why the law of attraction is so popular, because it's a form of cognitive dissonance uh, kind of implanted and blown up by, you know, whoever you, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, whether you want to call them the lizard people or the fucking, you know, uh, the elites or the 1% or whoever. But um, they definitely go into certain communities that are, meant to help expand consciousness and plant kind of false flags in there and people grab onto that shit and it kind of takes them into like uh these like false light teachings you can call them um and uh yeah it kind of you think you're you're listening to good advice or you think you're listening to um bless you <laughs> Uh, I'm yelling at my cat, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were sneezing. <laughs> I was like, oh, bless you. <laughs> um, yeah, it takes yeah. you to a love and light community that's a false, basically a false teaching. Yeah, and it's not all of it's false, but it's just a very incomplete thought. And um, when you have an incomplete thought, it it takes away from, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're seeing this one little puzzle piece and there's like this whole other there's like 17 other puzzle pieces that you're totally missing out on and so um yeah it's just it's just very interesting because I feel like a lot of people end up on one spectrum or the, or the other where they're either very love and lighty or they're very like conspiracy driven and doom and gloom and like everybody's out to get them and gonna kill them and like there's 
all this poison in the food and the water and the air and like everyone wants to murder them right and so there's these like two different perspectives it's like okay well can we meet in the middle somewhere it's like yes there's all this like beautiful energy and like you can connect with fairies and angels and all this wonderful stuff and yeah also people are also putting poison in our fucking water supply and you know all these chemicals in our food but like what are you going to do about that you know like are you right. just gonna it's like how do you meet in the middle where you can have balance between the two? Well, and I feel like those polar opposites are what gives the spiritual community this bad name right now, because mm-hmm. right now everyone's like, oh, if you're spiritual, uh, you're, you're a quack, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and because, you know, you all believe the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute. I have not met one person that believes everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And there's a Bible verse, and I don't know the Bible that well, but basically it's like you'll know them by their works. Mm-hmm. And if you're really spiritual, you're just going to live your life. Mm-hmm. And if someone points it out or wants to talk to you, like you'll talk about it, but you're not, here's my yoga pose today. Here, Like you're not yeah. continually pushing it. Yeah. If, yeah. Does that make sense? 1000%. And I think... um That's the thing with, like, spirituality or just, I don't know, just certain religions or just whatever your way of life. Like, the best way to get somebody interested in what you do is just leading by example. Yes. If if you're talking about how great it is or how amazing it is or how, like, you know, life-changing it is or you should do this, you should try this. Like, all the time people are like, well, why are you trying to push this on me? Like, what? You know what I mean? And that's one of the things, um, not to bring up, like, religion, but... A lot of times, like with Christianity, right? A lot of a lot of people are very pushy with Christianity, and it's like, well, why? What's the agenda behind that? You know, you don't see any other religion. You don't see Muslims or Hindus or you know, uh, people, Jewish people, going around trying to tell you that their religion is the best and that you should convert and all this stuff. Like, it's mostly always Christian people. Why is yeah. that? You know, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of it is because a lot of it's inverted, right? It's a, it's a lot of inverted truths. And so they teach you that this is the end all be all religion. And it's very ingrained in, you know, uh, in us as a society, because, you know, through all the crusades and all the, the, the things through history that have really radically pushed this particular religion on everybody as people, right? It's like, why is that? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to think it's got to be for a reason or means of control. And, um, no, (laughs) no, absolutely. So I was raised Catholic yeah, and converted to Lutheranism for a bit. And, but it still didn't feel right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I remember questioning certain things about Catholicism and basically being told in catechism, you know, no, no, we can't do that. And when I, started learning more, I guess, occulty things and things like that. So Catholicism is the only religion that I'm aware of that believes in transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is the belief that the bread and wine that they put on the altar for the Eucharist or communion Mm -hmm. actually turn into the flesh and blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you're a cannibal. Yeah. Like, (laughs) long story short, you're a cannibal. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas every other Christian religion believes it's a metaphor for the body and blood. Right. I'm like, 
okay, so that's weird. You know, every Catholic altar actually has a piece, supposedly, of a bone of a mm-hmm. saint because that's what gives it its power. That's right. freaking magic. Yeah. Th- th- that's magic. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is um, originally, like, the the Catholic religion has its basis in magic. And, yeah. Uh, that it's it's funny because a lot of Christian traditions are you know um, they come from paganism they yep. like Halloween Christmas like all these holidays they all co- have their roots in pagan traditions and it's funny because they're the ones that are like oh paganism is the devil or uh, these people that you know not worship but like connect with nature they're of the devil and usually like if anyone says that's of the devil there's usually probably a hidden key of truth in there and absolutely i know a lot of because you're from connecticut a lot of sites in connecticut and in the northeast have were sacred to native americans but those ones that were sacred are labeled things like the devil's playground yep yep Like, why? Because you want to keep people away. Well, why do you want to keep people away? Like, yep. just keep asking that why. Yeah, and it's like, there's a lot of things in nature, like natural sites, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, there's like the devil's armchair, the devil's whatever, all these things. And it's like, well, what are you hiding there? You know, like, what's what's really there? And there's like, um, I forget what they're called. They're like, uh, I don't know if it's like a plateau... I don't know why the word is eluding me right now, but anyways, um, there's a lot of like rock formations. They're like those like giant plateaus. Um, fuck. I don't know why I can't think of the name of it, but anyways, it looks like an old, like giant chopped down tree. And, oh, um, yeah, I can't think of the word, but I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? And so a lot of times, like a lot of these like rock formations or these, um, things that, if you look really close, they look like giant old trees or they look like melted buildings. And a lot of it is, you know, um, prior to like Christopher Columbus coming here and discovering America, there was a society called Tartary or Tartaria that was here. And, you know, when they came over here, they fucking burned all this shit down and then kind of created their own new country that they discovered. And so all of that information and that wisdom was burned down with it. And so there's that, uh, those elites that know of that information and they have that information and then they translated it into a dumbed down version of, you know, whatever the Bible or whatever text it is and, uh, gave that to the people. And there was like, uh, I think it was, I forget what council it was like the council of Nicene or the council of of Nicaea. Yep. Yeah. And they, um, basically decided what they were going to take out and feed to people. And it's like, yep. well, they literally took out all the good parts. <laughs> yeah, they took out the shit. book of Judas. They took about, they took out yeah. the book of Mary Magdalene. They took out the book of Enoch that talks about giants. Yeah. Um, they took out a lot of things. And I actually went into, cause I heard a bunch of podcasts talking about the book of Enoch and the Nephilim and things like mm-hmm. that. And I was like, okay, I want to read it for myself. So I went to my library because you can find Bibles, you can find all sorts of sacred texts in your library, right? Yeah. And I found the Apocrypha, which is all of the books not in the Bible. Yeah. But also in the Apocrypha, or what wasn't in the Apocrypha, at least in my library, was the Book of Enoch. And I was Mm -hmm. like, why is this so hard to find? You're a library. You have every other religious text from every other religion. Why can't I find this? 
Exactly. Now, I'm sure I could look online and find it up, like, but that's not the point. The yeah, point but is... even still, if you find it, it's probably, it's translated a bunch of times, it's probably edited, it's, you know what I mean? So it's not still the true Book of Enoch. Yeah, it's, it, and that was a rabbit hole oh, that I I've kind of... I hear you. I don't know can, if... Um... Can you hear me now? muted or what can you hear me now yeah i can hear you now okay cool so (laughs) yeah but it's wild can you still hear me yeah i can hear you okay a little thing that came up it says my internet connection is unstable and i'm like why you're like Um, why dude it's fine (laughs) yeah i'm like it's always fine but that's a little rabbit hole that i've been going down is this book of enoch and why is it so hard to find and to your point of which translation is true and how at that point that brings me back to what do we know is true like just because someone says it (laughs) yeah but how do i like why should i believe you yeah and that's why like most of history is just it's a sham like it they feed you what they want you to know and they leave out so many other parts of history that like bring the story to life and complete like the narrative and if all the pieces of history were told you know we'd have a completely different narrative and it just wouldn't favor them you know so they agreed they kind of just do what they want and nobody questions it because it's like well why would our government lie to us why would uh the people that write history books why you know what i mean and it's like well maybe we should be a little less naive <laughs> so i used to be that person and this is what I try and explain oh, me to people. Oh, me too. Because I, I was that person. I was like, the CDC is great. They would never lie. The FDA, like, of, of course they're telling us the truth. And any reactions, like, yeah, like, but but they're super, super rare. They're overblown. Um, Why would they, like, yes, history is written, his story, it's written from the point of the victors, but it's still mostly true. Like, and I feel like most people, this is cliche at this point, but like 2020, uh, my world basically got shattered and oh yeah it everything that i thought i knew i was totally wrong and i was most definitely humbled (laughs) yeah yeah 2020 did that for a lot of people i think it either 2020 really either dug people deeper into the narratives that they're spewing or it lifted a veil for a lot of other people or the other the people that were already on board they were like oh this just confirmed everything yeah so it was like those three different pots of people and i was definitely one of those people where i had suspicions and i never trusted the government like i was always like let's be libertarians and like you know just whatever but um i also uh it i had a little more trust and like the government and like what people were telling and so 2020 like i was like something does not feel right and i'm gonna listen to my intuition and so i dug deeper and i was like holy shit <laughs> like there's so much that they just fucking blatantly lie to us about and like i don't ever really watch i don't watch the news anymore but i um my uh partner's grandma was watching the news the other day and um, on the TV, I heard them, like some government officials or whatever, they um, were apologizing for all the people that lost their jobs because they didn't want to get the the, the shot. The, yeah, the vaccine, and, you can say it, it's fine. Okay, okay, the vaccine. And they're like, yeah, and, and we'll offer all you guys your jobs back. And I'm like, why would, like, if somebody fired me because I wouldn't get some vaccine that they all knew was bullshit to begin with, mm-hmm. like, I would not want to work for you anymore. Like, I don't, like, I don't, 
It's just crazy. Well, and <laughs> so I know New York State for public employees like police officers, firefighters, if you're employed by the city or the mm-hmm. state, you had to get reinstated. But it yeah. didn't cover private employees. So a lot of nurses, um, things like that. I think teachers were covered under the mandate or the mm-hmm. reversal. But a lot of people weren't. But everyone was like, oh, if I don't take it, uh, I'm going to lose my job. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing. There's this really cool thing called freedom of religion. And if you filed for religious exemption and it was denied, you you actually can sue. You can sue. And people are like, oh, well, you know, I I just, I don't know how to go about it or I don't have the time. Or I'm like, so you have options. You just don't like your options. You have choices. You just don't like them. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Yeah. And I think this was basically just, like, the biggest game of chicken that, like, history has ever seen. It's, like, yes. literally, if you just waited it out, like, I mean, yeah, sometimes that meant losing your job or losing, you know, like, your income. But also, they were paying out, like, the unemployment that they were paying out was, like, more than what people were making sometimes on their paychecks. Yep. So, it was, like, kind of, I don't know. It was it's just very interesting. All In, you know, absolutely, <laughs> if you had a higher paying job, if you were in pharma, if you were a nurse, if you were a doctor, a lawyer, things like that, and you refuse to take it, unemployment, you're right, was not going to touch your income. But for most people, it probably would have equated out fine. Right. Um, but if you didn't want to fight because there are very few cases where I'm like, okay, I get it. Right. But for the most part, you were just too afraid of confrontation, in my opinion. Yeah. And that can seem really bitchy, but I would have conversations with people. I'd be like, okay, well, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this, and i give them all the options. Then you'd be like, well, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It's like then you're either going to have to get it or you're just going to have to – I don't know. It's like I don't know yeah. what to tell you at that point that you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Like – it's like that friend who comes to you for advice and you give them all the advice and then they completely ignore you and then cry about the result. Yeah, thousand percent. Thousand percent. But yeah, so it's wild, wild times. And it's just funny, like watching just the whole narratives just unfold. Um, I feel like it's almost like watching a play go down. Uh, <laughs> like when you have like a kind of uh, more broad awareness about like, what is going on it's like you can see like the bullshit stops that they try to pull to like get riles out of you or like get you like in this anxious fearful state it's like you know first it was covid then it's monkeypox, and it's like all this other crazy shit yeah dude like what else are you gonna pull out of your ass this year to try to suck people back in (laughs) well and i feel like there's these stories of to make the normies or whatever you want to call them riled up mm-hmm. and then there's stories that i honestly feel that probably aren't true mm-hmm. to get the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists or whatever riled yes. up yep and so then everyone's focused on something else except for what's going on <laughs> right and i'm like can we just all agree that all news is pretty much bullshit and they're never actually going to tell us the truth. So getting riled up is totally pointless, regardless of where you land on the political spectrum. 
Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is like not only do they try to get you sucked in in that end, but I like that point about getting the conspiracy theorists riled up, too, because even though like they're on the other end of it, it's still the same emotional reaction. Exactly. And that's what they want, because when you're you're in a state of outrage or fear or perpetual anger, um, it's it's a lot easier to control you. And I've noticed a lot, too, because um. You know, I have a lot of my roots and my practices in like hypnosis and EMDR, and um, I take techniques from like, uh, um, why am I drawing a blank? Um, Neuro linguistic programming. Yep. And so seeing all of those techniques being used with the public in, you know, their commercials and campaigns or like just the articles and just the different things that they do it's just so crazy the level of mind control that they try to play on people it's just it's insane (laughs) it's insane like these people are very they know exactly what they're doing and they have you know the resources to have people you know pull them in in a very psychological way and it's it's pretty nuts oh it is yeah emdr saved my life by the way me too. Me Sa- too. Saved my life. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Short version for those who don't know. Um, eye movement rapid desensitization or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Anyway, look it up. If you have PTSD or things that like you can't really work out or they're too traumatic to talk about, highly, highly recommend EMDR. Yeah. Um, EM- it's amazing because that's one of the things too with PTSD is um, talking about your trauma over and over again sometimes re-triggers it and just yeah. makes it worse and so going through and just being able to process it with those bilateral stimulation is really really amazing because you don't have to talk about it like the only time you know the person that you're working with they'll you know be like like how are you like what was that like you know whatever you don't have to talk about the full thing it's just like okay go with that and then you keep going and it just processes all of those trapped traumas like in your yep. body and um it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> well, so what – so I was working on it because I was hit by the car or mm-hmm. hit by a car as a pedestrian and I was – so much trauma involving that. Yeah. But the brain makes these – all of these connections that we don't really quite understand in the moment. And there was a part of – um where they took me in the ambulance, I'm in the trauma bay, and they're literally having to cut off my clothes, I can't move, and they're trying to stick a catheter up in me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of those are traumatic in their own right. Yeah. Well, when I was able to process that, it actually helped heal, in some aspects, my rape. Mm-hmm. Even though we weren't doing EMDR on me being raped. Yeah. Like, and that was wild to me. Yeah, because it's all very, like, interconnected. And that's the thing with, like, EMDR is that, like, once you heal, like, a certain layer, like, if that was connected to anything in any other way, it, like, helps heal that bridge to it, too, which is wild. And um, I think EMDR is really cool, especially, like, I have, um, well, working through or had, uh, like, CPTSD, which can either be called complex PTSD or childhood PTSD. And um, so that's one of the things that I was working through with, uh, practitioner and then prior to that I did self-administered EMDR for a lot of my sexual assaults and things like that and um it's just wild like how much release you get from eye movement yeah <laughs> yeah and 
for the audio listeners. So either your eyes are moving like the metronome, like you do for a piano or whatever, or for music, it's kind of like that. And so your eyes are moving back and forth, left to right. Or I was doing, cause I had to close my eyes for me. That was my natural instinct. So I had vibrating tappers or buttons. So I had one in my right hand and one in my left. Um, and then I've also heard of people using headphones where there's a tone in the right ear and a tone in the left and it goes back and forth, but it's basically like a metronome. Yeah, and... you could also, um, one of the things, because I did like telework with, um, yep. my therapist and one of the things is, um, she had me do a butterfly hug. So it's, you cross one arm over the other and then you, you just tap, tap your shoulders. Yeah. Yep. Or you can stomp your feet one after the other, just, just as long as you're stimulating both sides of the brain. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. It was, I never tried to do EMDR on myself, mm-hmm. uh, because I was, it is rough. <laughs> it, like it, it was, it would have been personally too rough for me. So I completely yeah. commend you for doing that um, and working through those things because I don't know that I would have been able to do it by myself. So right. kudos. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was rough. After I did a couple sessions myself, I'm like, all right, I need to get someone to help <laughs> because I can't get as deep as I'd like to go by myself. Yeah. For me, when I was doing, especially in the beginning, um, it was very tiring. Mm-hmm. And so I would you know, let's say do it at two o'clock in the afternoon and I would be done for the whole day. I'd go yeah. home and I'd lay on my couch and not necessarily sleep, but just I would have to zone out or whatever because mm-hmm. my brain was trying to process all of this stuff. Yeah, it takes a lot out of you. And that's the thing too with like shadow work and doing a lot of like this really deep healing inner work is people don't realize like how tired you get because your body and your mind is are processing so much of this old trap stuff that's been stuck in your muscle tissues and, you know, just all of your cells and everything. And um, it takes a lot of energy to like process all of that. And so a lot of times there will be these periods afterwards where you just, all you want to do is sleep or like lay around or just like veg out. And like, that's totally okay and totally normal. And like your body needs that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've heard some people be like, well, what do you mean your body stores memory? And the best way I can describe it is if you ever took dance and you had to learn um, a dance for a recital, your body started after a while, you hear that song and you would automatically know what moves to do. When something traumatic happens, it remembers those movements, Mm -hmm. but you don't realize you remember those movements. And so releasing it is working through all of that. I know it's probably like within the first six or so times of doing EMDR, I was hit on the left side. So Mm -hmm. my head started doing this in session. And I was like, it was or tilting to the left. And I was like, why? Like, what? I'm not consciously doing this. Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And my therapist was like, it's your body remembering being hit. And I lost my shit. I was like, what do you mean? And I didn't understand that, like, my yeah. body could remember it and my subconscious mm-hmm. could remember it, but my conscious brain didn't remember it. Like, yeah. I lost that blew my mind yeah and it's wild because a lot of times like our conscious memory only has so much capacity and so the reason why trauma persists it's not necessarily the event itself it's like the emotional reaction to the event and so when that um supersedes a certain point and your your conscious mind can't process it then your it gets stored in the body in the subconscious to be you know dealt with at a later time but a lot of times people don't deal with that at a later time and so it turns into like autoimmune disorders and 
illness and, you know, cancers and all these different things and <clears throat> mental illness, you know, it could turn into bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. And <clears throat> what people don't realize is that stuff that you're not dealing with, that gets passed down through your genetics because it's come out in this form of an autoimmune disorder. And most people don't understand where autoimmune disorders come from. They're like, oh, it's just genetics. But what does that mean? It's just genetics, right? Because your DNA, all it is, is just a blueprint for what your genes could express like. And so it's these events in your surroundings that actually trigger these um, uh, expressions of the genes. And so that's called epigenetics. And so you can pass down trauma for generations and so yep. that's why you'll see lines of people with you know diabetes or lines of you know these like lupus or these these really uh like her quote-unquote hereditary disorders because yep. if you go back far enough you can see where this stemmed from right and you're like okay well it started with my great-great-grandma it's like okay well what happened in her life around that time and then you can almost always trace it back to some form of trauma and so that's a, a process that I go through with a lot of my clients is, okay, what sensations do you have in your body? Where do you feel it? You know, uh, is it your left side or your right side? Because that'll tell you whether that's your mom's side or your dad's side. Yep. Um, the left side is always the feminine. The, the right side is the masculine. And so you can really trace like these generational traumas through the way that your body expresses them through these different illnesses or mental illnesses or diseases or things like that. And it's, it's pretty wild. Like people think that your mind is, you know, uh, the most intelligent part of you, but really your body is just as intelligent as the mind. Absolutely. Where do you s stand on past lives? I'll start with that question first. Um, yeah, I mean, I believe in past lives, but the thing is with past lives, um, I don't like to call them past lives because time is linear in this realm, but not in yep. the whole collective of this universe. And so really what's happening with past lives, it's just a parallel life that's happening. Like everything's happening all simultaneously at the same time. Mm -hmm. But because we can't perceive all of that stuff all at once, we have to break it down into these linear paradigms or these linear events. And so... um past lives are really just alternate realities they're different um timelines that we've lived whether you call that you know in the past it's just in a different realm of things but yeah i totally in the sense that you're talking about i believe in past lives i just look at it a lot differently because there's some people that say yes there's generational trauma absolutely but they also like well you're this way now, like you have some disease or whatever, mm -hmm. um, because of a past life. Like I had someone tell me that because of a past life is why I don't have a thumb. Hmm. And yeah. so I wanted to see where you stood on that before <laughs> I dropped that second question. <laughs> yeah. Um, it depends. Like, I feel like past lives, here's the thing is like, you thinking about the past is you time traveling in a sense to the past. Yep. And so the reason a past life would have, have that much of an effect on you is because it's happening in a similar timeline. Does that make sense? Yes. It's just like a parallel universe. And so I think it just depends like where 
um, in relation to this life that past life was. I, I mean, I guess it could... I know past lives, like... It's a tricky question because it's very, like, multifaceted. It is. I, to an extent, yes, I think that could be it, but I don't know. It's... I oh, no, know. that's... No, I'm totally okay <laughs> with the phrase, I don't know. So... My favorite people use the phrase, I don't know, because that means they're not trying to blow smoke up my ass and they're just unsure. And I'm totally okay with the phrase, I don't know. Um, I just, we're going down this rabbit hole and I love hearing the different perspectives. And I'm not saying one person is right, one person is wrong. I just like hearing the thought process because maybe someone will explain something in a way that I'll go, huh, never thought of it that way before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are... Because I know, like, the witch wound, right, is a collective, um, quote-unquote, like, past life wound where, you know, through, like, the different crusades and witch trials where healers and women and different people that were kind of different than the quote-unquote norm or went against the church, they were, you know, crucified and tried as witches. Yep. And so that imprint uh, collectively affects a lot of people in um, speaking up or, you know, showing their true authentic selves and... um, you know, tapping into their intuition and things like that. Um, but I've, I've never thought about past lives affecting like our physical being. So that's kind of an interesting perspective. And there's some people that say like, um, any birthmark you have on you is like supposedly how you died in a past life and things like that. Um, like I said, I don't know where I stand on it. It's exactly that. I find it fascinating and interesting. Um, one thing I do find interesting is I have a scar from my open heart surgery where they had to stick a chest tube in me mm-hmm. and makes total sense on me my sister and it's only i don't know maybe a quarter inch long half inch long yeah. my sister has that exact same scar in the exact same spot she never had a chest tube wow and is like a year and a half younger than me that's kind of wild and i find that wild but then going yeah. back to kind of generational trauma almost mm-hmm. like was something in my mother's eggs quote unquote damaged and so that little spot and it's only my sister and I but if she ever had any children or the miscarriages she had did like everyone have that little scar that's interesting yeah I don't know it I play around with these random no that that's really interesting and well, okay, so we'll, we might have to have, like, a side note later. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to get into, like, too personal stuff, uh, like, over podcasts. Like, I don't know how much you want to dive into, but... Um, and it's okay if you want to, like, side note this, but, like, did... As far as, like, trauma with your mom, like, do you know, like, uh, like some of the stuff that she's been through? Like, do you know if there's been any, like, serious, like, heartbreak or... Um, like betrayals or just like uh, abandonment or anything like that? I don't think so. I know she had two or three miscarriages before me. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you the oldest? I am. Okay. Okay. And, you know, her and my dad have been married oh, almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'm sure there was maybe some stuff when she was in high school, but she's never, like, talked about this long-lost love or anything like that. Um, I don't... 
doesn't necessarily have to be just like romantic heartbreak. It, it could be just like somebody dying or like loss or grief or anything. Like so that. her dad passed away, but I was almost three when that happened. Okay. So the only like massive heartbreak happened after I was born. Mm-hmm. That I'm aware of is how I will yeah. say that. Um, I don't know. And did and did you and your sister have um that scar like? Do you always remember – has she always had that scar? So to my knowledge, my sister's always had that scar. I did not have the scar until my open heart surgery. Interesting. And then um, – but my mom, like, doesn't ever remember, like, my sister not having it. Like, she's not yeah, – she doesn't she have any pictures of, of her when she's a baby. You know, it's not like now where people take 20 pictures a day of right. their kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, she doesn't remember her having the scar, but she also doesn't remember and I remember point actually pointing it out. I was kindergarten, first grade, and, I was, and we were, like, taking a bath together or something. And I was like, oh, Kara has the same scar. Look. And I pointed on my chest. And mom was like, oh, yeah, she does. And, like, it, it's so wild. It's so – like, she should not have that scar. And then we also have on our left sides, mm-hmm. like, a darker brown spot that's, I don't know, an oval. Yeah. Um. We're not twins, like I said, a year and a half apart. I was going to say, it could be, like, just some very, like, you guys definitely have lived a lot of lives together. Because <laughs> there's, like, because that's, like, stuff you would see with, like, twins, like, that yeah. very, like, intense connection. Yeah. So I'm almost wondering, like, if you guys have kind of, like, a, are you guys, like, really close? We're So actually, we're not. So all of my medical stuff is physical. My sister actually has cerebral palsy. So if you look at her, she looks totally normal physically. But when you talk to her, you're going to understand that she's a little bit slow. Um, She's not in a wheelchair or anything, but hers is all mental. Mm. And when they've done genetic tests, I'm totally normal. Mm. My sister, actually, they found a genetic marker where she's like missing a part of one of her chromosomes or a gene in one of her chromosomes. So I don't know. Like, interesting. I don't know. That's really cool. I'd be interested to see, like, um, like if you guys did some kind of, like, a past life regression together or, you know what I mean, something. I don't know what your, if your sister's even into that stuff, but it would be interesting to just see, like, where that, like, extrasensory connection comes in. It would be interesting. She has probably the mindset of a fourth grader. Yeah. So I don't know. That that would be. It, I don't know how that would go. Yeah. But, like. I I don't know, like, maybe, listen, anything could happen. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not discounting anything. That's kind of cool. Well, very interesting. Thanks for taking me down that rabbit hole. Yeah, sorry, random rabbit hole. (laughs) No, that Uh, stuff fascinates me a lot. I'm like, (laughs) tell me more. (laughs) Sometimes I ask off-the-wall questions and we go down these random tangents and I'm like, (laughs) it's not quite speed bumps, but it kind of is. So we're all good. So I know you had said, you know, you went on this ayahuasca journey in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that when you really started to, I know you said it kind of blew the lid off your spiritual gifts. Is that, were you doing the spiritual or the shadow integration and stuff before that? Or were Um, you just interested? Like, Yeah, so I knew that I wanted to, um, like, teach people about, like, spirituality and, like, Mm -hmm. that whole realm of things, and I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it, Um, because prior to, like, what I do now, um, excuse me, sorry, 
You're good. Um, I'm drinking seltzer water. It made me real gassy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love seltzer. Um, so prior to that, I was actually um, a professional makeup artist for about nine years. And kind of okay. in between there, I did um, uh, exotic dancing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you know, bartending and just all sorts of other things. Um, and I was kind of just over it. Um, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I need to find like my life purpose. Like I, I like makeup's fun, but, um, I need, I want to kind of make a bigger impact on people's lives, um, versus just the external appearance. Yep. I kind of want to be able to make more of a, um, not permanent impact, but more of like a lasting impact on people's lives. Um, and so I just asked the universe, I'm like, show me my path. Like, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. And so, um, I had done research on ayahuasca, you know, for about two years prior to that because uh, I struggled with depression and anxiety and um, I had some pretty wild uh, panic attacks that I almost think were borderline psychosis. But um, I also know that a lot of people in the first stages of like a really big awakening kind of go through this like psychosis stage, which is interesting. So um, that's kind of something that I pieced together later on. But anyways... um, I just had like a lot of wounds that I wanted to heal. And so um, I just heard the calling to go uh, see Mother Ayahuasca and she uh, made it happen. I was like, if this is meant to happen, like help me line this up. And so it was a very, it fell in place very synchronistically. It was very um, short notice. Um, I think I knew I was going on the trip like three days prior uh to actually going to Costa Rica. So I was like, oh shit, I got to get my plane ticket. Let's go. And usually like people like know like months in advance that they're going. So it was just uh, very interesting. But so I got there and it kind of just blew me open. And, um, you know, I've always been very spiritually in tune. Uh, like I can always like, I've always like uh, can sense people's energies or uh, people's emotions very well. And mm-hmm. um, I've been able to see like different uh energetic entities or Mm -hmm. spirits or whatever you want to call them when I was little. Um, But this kind of just took it to a whole nother level. (laughs) It just like after uh, ayahuasca, like I was able to just like connect with um, the universe in a different way. Uh, A lot more in tune with nature. Um, I could kind of hear the plants thoughts, if that makes sense. Um, They like, connected to me vibrationally where it was almost like this telepathic kind of communication um so that was really interesting uh and I kind of discovered that because there was this mango tree in in my backyard when I was living in Florida at the time and um I would I would sit out there and meditate and I would hear like something talking to me like in my head and I'm like that's not my voice and so I would sit and ask it questions and um it taught me how to listen to nature um so I would ask questions like a yes or no question to kind of just see um and I would say well if this is a yes like show me a yes and then the wind would blow a certain way and then um you know then I would ask another question and then it wouldn't blow and I was like okay that's a no and so then I would be like is my name Taylor and then it would like blow in in that certain way I was like ooh and then I would get chills it's like confirmation and so it was just like that building up of just like connecting with nature in that way was really freaking cool and then um you know people would ask me because you know, I was kind of into like uh like herbal medicine and things like that and just 
uh, very like health conscious. And so I mostly was just for me, but then people would be like, Hey, you know about like herbs and stuff. Like I have, um, you know, this going on, like, what would you recommend? And then I would hear the plant call to me and it would say, tell her to use me. And I was like, okay. So I said, um, and before, obviously before I would tell them, I would like look it up to like double confirm. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. holy shit, <laughs> that was right. And so then I just started trusting it. And so it was kind of cool um, to just be able to connect that way to nature and the plants. And um, then I had some interesting encounters with um, uh, just like different energetic beings, whether they were like extra. I mean, I would say like any energetic being you can say is an extraterrestrial because it's just something mm-hmm. out of your, you know, out of your interdimensional awareness. maybe. Yeah, maybe interdimensional. Um, so I've had some interesting encounters with interdimensional beings and things like that. And um, yeah, and then somehow um, I just started, I had my first client and I didn't really know where I wanted to go, but I know I wanted to help people through shadow work and kind of just um, helping them through their speed bumps, I suppose. And um, I didn't really know where I was going with it, but I kind of just, you know, followed the universe's signs of like, okay, you need this certification in PTSD. You need to get this, you need to get this. And so I was following the signs and just studying all these different things. And, um, then, you know, in sessions, I was just uh, listening to my intuition and then all these like personifications of these different parts of people would come up. And then I had this, um, interview, uh, on my podcast with this lady called Serena, um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on her last name. Serena Masterson, I believe. That sounds right. Serena Faith Masterson. That's it. And um, she, she's really a really cool lady. She had um, a really traumatic, like wild childhood. And so it broke, she was under um, government mind control, the MK ultra program where mm-hmm. her, um, her dad was in a satanic cult and basically signed her up for these, testings and stuff and Mm -hmm. um it broke her in her identity into like 300 different personalities and so she went on this journey of just connecting with her spirit and reintegrating all 300 of these pieces back into her whole self and her story is just fucking wild and so it made me realize that all of us to some degree are multiples like we have all of these different fragments of us we have you know the the inner child and we have like our anger we have this part of us this part of us and these are all of our shadows that you know leak out in certain different ways when they're unintegrated and so um through that I was like wow this is the kind of work that I I need to do and so then I started learning about you know uh IFS which is internal family systems and just like all these different things and connecting it with spirit and so it kind of led me to where I am right now. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So do you mind plugging your podcast and any other links? Like if someone wants to book a session with you, like all of the things, I don't know if you're still doing sessions right now, Yeah. um, anything that you want to plug? Yeah, of course. So, um, you can find me obviously on Instagram at Taylor Alina. Um, my website is lovedbytheuniverse.com. Um, it needs to be updated, so it's a little out of date, but um, there's a free shadow work guidebook on there. So if you're interested in 
uh, diving into shadow work a little bit and you want to kind of understand more of what that is and what that looks like, there's um, a whole, like, it's like a 50 or 70 page guide, but half of it's like uh, 30 days worth of like journal prompts. So don't let that scare you. <laughs> it's probably more like 20 pages of reading and then the rest is like um, okay. just prompts. But um, so it gives you a little information about like what shadow work is and then prompts to follow so you can kind of get started on your own. And then um, I'm not doing sessions right now, but I will probably at the end of November again, because I kind of took a little bit of a break mm -hmm. um, from just social media and kind of just deprogramming myself from some of that. So <laughs> um, yeah, but if you want are interested in sessions or learning more about shadow work, you can just reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I'll always answer my DMs. So yeah. And what, what, are you still doing oh, the podcast? Oh yeah. And my podcast. Yep. That's kind of been on a little bit of a pause, but I'm going to be starting that back up soon. Um, and that's spiritual thoughts with Taylor Lena. I love it. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on and joining me. Uh, this was a great conversation and thank y'all for listening. And I hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day. <laughs>